Wow. Thank you, Sheila. That was beautiful. Welcome to Trinity this morning. I'm glad you're here. It's the 20th Sunday after Pentecost. If you remember Pentecost, it was that Sunday when with all that red stuff that we wore and God was in our midst, in the midst of fire and speaking and sending messages to all this diverse people. And um, today we have messages uh, of God's presence again, but the messages are to trust God and to watch God's action. And this uh, song I'm going to sing next here at the, uh, the last part of the prelude is a song of Mary's trust in God. My soul cries out with a joyful shout that the God of my heart is great and my spirit sings of the wondrous things that you bring to the ones who wait you fixed your sight on your servant's plight and my weakness you did not spurn so from east to west shall my name be blessed could the world be about to turn though i am small my god my all you work great things in and your mercy will last from the depths of the past to the end of the age to be. Your very name puts the proud to shame, turn to those who would for you yearn. You will show your might, put the strong to flight, for the world is about to turn. My heart shall sing of the day you bring, let the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. From the halls of power to the fortress tower, not a stone will be left on stone. Let the king beware, for your justice tears every tyrant from his throne. The hungry poor shall weep no more For the food they can never earn There are tables spread, every mouth be fed For the world is about to turn Though the nations rage from age to age We remember who holds us fast God's mercy must deliver us from the conqueror's crushing grasp. This saving word that our forebears heard is the promise which holds us bound. Till the spear and rod can be crushed by God who is turning the world around. My heart shall sing of the day you bring let the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Sheila, for the beautiful music that calls us to worship. Uh, this morning. Uh, it's good uh, to have you here. Welcome. 
to all of you. Welcome to all those online as well who are worshiping with us across the island, across the country. You are a part of our family, and we appreciate you being here. Others beat you here this morning. The altar guild has set the table, and we will be sharing Holy Communion together. And the choir has been here since early this morning as well, and they are going to be singing for us, and we're blessed by the many gifts uh, that come together here uh, in this place. The order of service is printed before you on the bulletin. You can follow right along there. Everything will be projected for you as well. And we will begin with words this morning in our opening, like all are welcome, and let us live as equals with everyone. Beautiful words. If it's comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gathering hymn, all are welcome.
We continue with our litany, our responsive reading for this morning. This is a place of grace. All are welcome at the table. Certainty is mostly an illusion. This is a place of grace. Let us face the day and the future knowing that we are not alone. We are So let us live as Jesus taught us, more less worrying, more less judgment, more less, less stress, more love, less hate, less the of and live as equals with everyone. Amen. Our hymn of praise, let us put on the clothes of Christ. We sing the refrain, and then when the colors show up, we sing the white part. Sweet. 
Gracious God, send your Holy Spirit, we pray, that our worship might be faithful, authentic, and inspirational. May your perfect love cast out all fear, that we might be empowered to embrace each day freely, to love extravagantly, and to serve all people, living as equals with everyone. We pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. I know. 
After gospel music, we're ready for the gospel lesson, comes to us from the 12th chapter of Luke. And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep seeking what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that seek all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. The word of the Lord. In um, my years of uh, training as a teacher, one of the things that was stressed all the time was being able to hear something, students being able to hear something in, in different ways. And so we hear things in different ways, and things are presented in different ways, and we have a chance of hearing things more fully. So this is uh, John Michael Talbot's version, his uh, version of the reading that you just heard from Philippians. Consider the ravens, they do not sow, and they do not reap, yet God the Maker provides for them, yet upon the earth these are among the smallest things. Consider how the lilies grow. They do not spin, and they do not weep. Yet I tell you now, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was arrayed like any one of these. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and the wealth of God's righteousness. For wherever your treasure lies, there will you find your heart. Be not concerned 
for your life or your body. What to eat, what to wear, or what you will do for tomorrow. Seek out instead God's heavenly kingdom and the rest upon the earth in its own time will follow. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and the wealth of God's righteousness. For wherever your treasure lies, there will you find your heart. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and the wealth of God's righteousness. For wherever your treasure lies, there will you find your heart. There will you find your heart. Beautiful Carl and uh, John Michael Talbot, thank you uh, for that. Um, the title of the sermon this morning is Putting Worry in Its Place. Where to start? Where should we start this morning? You just heard the words of Jesus read and sung now, which of you by worrying can add a single hour to your lifespan? Would you describe yourself as a worrier? Do you maybe live with a worrier? How many of you had something troubling on your mind, something that you were worried about as you came to worship this morning? How many of you are worried about the next presidential election? How many of you are worried about the horrific violence in Israel and Palestine? How many of you are worried about the war in Ukraine? How many of you are worried about the environment? How many of you are worried about the ferry system? Jesus said, which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your lifespan? So now to add injury to insult, some of you are worrying because Jesus is giving you a bad time about worrying. Last week, if you were here, Pastor Eileen preached about the broken relationships in our families, spouses who don't talk to each other, estranged relationships between parents or grandparents and children, bitter feelings among siblings. I'm guessing that there are more than a few here today who worry about your children or your grandchildren. Why did Jesus teach his disciples and us about worrying. Let's consider this question by focusing our attention on two key points. The first is that humans 
by nature, worry. It comes naturally to us. But the second, and just as important, is this. Passive worrying is a total waste of time. What does God have to say to us, poor, worrying people that we are? Where do we start? The following words come to us from the Apostle Paul. That would be Paul, who experienced a shipwreck. Paul, who lost his family for his faith. Paul, who was beaten with rods, stoned by an angry mob, run out of town, put in prison, and ultimately executed by Rome. Paul writes these words, Rejoice! In the Lord always, again I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Do not be anxious about anything, but let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now you may say, fine, pastor, I can rejoice. I have so much to rejoice about. I have been blessed so richly in this life, but... uh, but, I, but I'm still worried. See, I can't pay my bills. Gas prices are destroying my budget. I'm on a fixed income. I've been blessed in my life, but now my health is in decline. I'm worried about losing the car keys. I'm worried about losing my independence or my control. I talked with a woman a few weeks ago. She said that she was uncomfortable in social settings. Interesting. She feared she would say the wrong thing. She feared that she was socially awkward, she told me. Well, I assured her that everyone she met was plagued with some level of insecurity. Most of us feel socially awkward from time to time, especially when we are in unfamiliar social settings. Well, here's a quote you might consider attributed to many. You probably wouldn't worry about what people think of you if you knew how seldom they do. (laughs) Think of you, that is. Why did Jesus teach about worrying? There are two reasons. One, because Jesus was human, and he knew that humans by nature are worrisome creatures, and because passive worrying is a total waste of time. No one has ever added even a single day to their life through passive worrying. In fact, we know from doctors and scientists that just the opposite is true. We know that anxiety is a real threat to our physical and mental health. The anxiety we carry threatens us more than the things that we worry about. Where to start? We can never eliminate worry. Worry is inevitable. It's experienced by our sisters and brothers, every land, every race, the very young, the very old. Our youngest grandson, Hudson, is a delightful little boy. He's 18 months old. He loves to laugh and dance. Now, just watch this. What are you doing? Are you dancing? Show me how you dance. Are you supposed to be on the table, Hudson?
supposed to be on the table. You just keep dancing. You just keep dancing. He is a cute, happy little boy, I'm telling you. We spent a lot of time with him, but I got to tell you this because I have spent time with him. The second his mother leaves a room or his mother leaves a house, he begins to worry. His security is threatened by her absence. Is it rational? Probably not. Is it real? It's real for him. You see, we cannot escape worry. So how do we learn to live with it? How can we manage it? How do we put worry in its place? Where do we start? Watch this clip, for instance. I saw a thing, actually, a study that said speaking in front of a crowd is considered the number one fear of the average person. I found that amazing. Number two was death. <laughs> death is number two? This means to the average person, if you have to be at a funeral, you would rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy. I had the distinct privilege in the past month of being with Don Scriven and Pastor Dennis Hansen on their deathbeds. And there was no fear present. They trusted God and reflected upon the life that they had lived. And in doing so, the overarching theme for both of them was just one of gratitude. They were not carrying any worries. They were no longer concerned with their appearance. The price of gas or the balances in their IRAs were of little concern. You see, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, gave them calm. There's no need to worry about leaving this world, just as you did not worry about leaving your mother's womb so many decades ago. And yet, worry is inevitable. It is never far from us. It is always waiting. It's waiting to steal the day. It's waiting to consume the joys of this moment with the worries of tomorrow. You see, worry is forward thinking. And most of the bridges that it beckons us to consider will never need to be crossed. The French philosopher de Montaigne put it this way. He said, there were many terrible things in my life, and most of them never happened. How do we put worry in its rightful place? Well, the Apostle Paul, who by all outward appearances had much to worry about, and yet he encouraged us to rejoice in the Lord always. Paul encouraged us not to be anxious. And then he followed that up by revealing to us a recipe for a more peaceful existence. He said, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence in anything, think about those things. Do you understand that if you wake up every morning and watch the news and feed yourself a diet of gloom and despair and tragedy and war and death and destruction, then you should expect indigestion. You should expect a life with anxiety and with fears that are not based in reality, not your reality anyway. We live on Whoopi Island. You travel up and down Highway 525, going to Payless, the post office, the church. You drive up and down the highway, and you have no fear of terrorists. You have no fear of gang members or missiles falling from the sky. In fact, it's never been safer to live on Whidbey Island than right now. 
Where do we start? What thoughts will fill our minds as we live this day, a day that will only be lived once, a day that will never return to us, one day among the precious few that we have left? Paul encourages us to open our eyes and to dwell first and foremost on the blessings that are already present in our lives and in our shared community. To have a breakfast each morning that includes praise. Not praise for the promise of heaven, but praise for what has already been given. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, think on these things. Last Monday, Felicia and I walked the south rim of the Grand Canyon. It was beautiful. How small we were, walking ancient paths, gazing down on the magnificent depth and colors that came into existence by the hand of God over billions of years. Scientists tell us that the earth is believed to be just over 4.5 billion years old. The oldest objects on earth are 4.7 billion years old, and those are meteorites that arrived from the far reaches of God's universe. We came to a point along the southern rim, and there we were informed by the National Park Service that the rocks that you will see me sitting on in the next Right there, the rocks that I'm sitting on, right there, are the oldest on the earth. 4.5 billion years old. Now, the north rim of the Grand Canyon was surrounded by huge stands of aspen trees. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but the aspen is the largest living organism on the face of the earth. They are not one standing alone, they are family. No tree is alone, they are united, they have a common root system. They are one organism dressed regally in yellow as winter is now approaching. And you look at it all and you say, how great is our God? How small are we? And how blessed are we to have seasons on this earth? It's all a gift. And yet we're reminded over and over again that it's fleeting and it's fragile. It's a fleeting and fragile gift and it can be greatly diminished by worrying. Where to start? Journal. Take the time to write down the blessings in your life. Live free and thankful with an attitude of gratitude. Do not be paralyzed by what may or may not happen tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. We have no guarantee of tomorrow, so don't let tomorrow steal today from you. Which brings us back to Jesus, who said, which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your lifespan? Worry is inevitable. It's part of your journey and mine. But passive worrying is a total waste of time. So passive worrying, what is that, you ask? Well, passive worrying is worrying without action. It's worrying without any intention of addressing real problems. Worrying about events or circumstances that are out of our control. How do we put worry in our place? Winston Churchill said this, let our advanced worrying become advanced thinking and planning. And this quote from the author Roy Bennett, instead of worrying 
about what you cannot control, shift your energy to what you can create. You see, worrying about things that are out of our control is not just silly, it's not just a waste of time, it's unfaithful. It's a complete waste of time. Now, we were gone, but we do read the news on occasion, and we heard that you had an earthquake. How many of you felt the earthquake? Did you feel the earthquake here? Yeah. Well, we connected right away with our island daughter, Kelsey, and with Carl to make sure that all was well here among the ones we loved. Earthquakes are real, obviously. Earthquakes are probably also the greatest natural disaster threat that we have on Whidbey Island. But let me say this categorically. Sitting around worrying about earthquakes is a total waste of energy and life. Now, you should prepare for one, yes. Prepare for one. That makes sense. But worry about it? The geological timetables are measured in hundreds and thousands of years. You need to live today. Instead of worrying about what you cannot control, get busy with the things that are in your control. Things that are out of your control, which would include like, well, let's say the weather, the spinning of the earth on its axis, and the movement of the stars, but it also includes the actions of others. You know this already, but you have no control over your grown children. You have no control over your estranged siblings or your neighbor. You are responsible, yes, for your own behavior, not theirs. Remember, if they listened to you in the first place, they wouldn't be in this mess. Or maybe they'd be in a bigger mess. You do not control their behavior. You do not control the behavior of other people. And you have no control over the violence in Israel and Palestine. You did not create it, and you cannot fix it. Now, you can pray, and you can be generous in sharing your resources for humanitarian support, but don't waste this one precious day obsessing over something over which you have no control. Likewise, we have no control over the war in Ukraine or the suffering of our southern border. Now, is this a cop-out? No, this is reality. It is about using your limited time, energy, and resources in a way that will make a difference. You know the great abolitionist Harriet Tubman? Think if Harriet Tubman had spent her days worrying about the extinction of the passenger pigeon instead of doing the work she did. You see, we must do what we can do. We can recycle. We can burn less gas. We can consume in a more sustainable way. We can write letters to legislatures. We can vote. But we have little control over the melting of the ice caps. And sitting around worrying about melting glaciers is a waste of time, just as sitting around worrying about the next earthquake is a waste of time. If it is out of your control, don't worry about it. Say your prayers and let God worry about it. It's been said that Christians are so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. It might also be said that many today are so consumed with the problems of the world that they have no energy or vision left to make a difference where God has actually put them. Standing on the rim of the Grand Canyon, 
sitting on a rock from the dawn of creation. I was in awe of our God, and I realized that my 80 or so years will mean little in the course of history. And yet, God has put me here. God has put us here to live, to love, to enjoy the ride, to make a difference, and to leave whatever legacy we can. And we cannot do that if we're consumed with worry. So put worry in its place. Wisdom. The Dalai Lama put it this way. If there is no solution to the problem, then don't waste your time worrying about it. If there is a solution to the problem, then don't waste your time worrying about it. If you're worrying about something over which you have some control, then get to it. Get on it. Make that call today. Pay that bill. Eat a healthy diet. Give some of your riches to charity. Offer a helping hand. Living with purpose is living faithfully. Worrying about earthquakes is a waste of time. Jesus said, which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your lifespan? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to change your diet. Quit putting the poison of bad news into your mind. Refuse to be paralyzed and rendered useless. Where do we start? Well, Paul said, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's pleasing, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, start there. Think about those things. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to sing an empowering hymn. Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, and let it now to God in prayer. Tonya is going to lead us in the prayers. Each petition will end trusting in your mercy and our response, hear our prayer. Let us pray. We come with thanksgiving that our requests might be known to you. We give thanks for the opportunity to gather and hear stories of hope 
stories of perseverance, and stories of your love. Let us recognize those stories in our own lives and respond by paying it forward to others. Guide us throughout our days, O God. May we rest in the freedom that we don't need to have all our next steps figured out. Even if the path before us is unclear, we trust that you will meet us wherever we may step, trusting in your mercy. God of comfort, send your spirit to encompass all those whose lives are torn apart by violence and death in Israel and Palestine. You are the advocate of the oppressed and the one who humbles the powerful. Let arms reach out in healing rather than aggression. Let hearts mourn rather than militarize. Even now, work on the hearts of combatants to choose life over death, reconciliation over retaliation, restoration over destruction. Trusting in your mercy. Holy God, no matter how entrenched evil may be in systems and in our world, you remind us that such realities are not inevitable. Today, help us to strive for repentance and healing. Help us change hearts, including ours, to give real help to those in poverty and communities too long ignored or marginalized. Trusting in your mercy. God of justice and God of mercy, be near those who are ill or who have lost a loved one. We trust that you will hold us all in the palm of your hand in whatever situation we may find ourselves. Surround us with your love, trusting in your mercy. God of joy, we give thanks for this marvelous creation and ask that we might be agents in its restoration and ongoing vitality, trusting in your mercy. Standing firm in the knowledge of your love, O oh God, we bring these and all our prayers to you. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you. Also with you. Please share a sign of peace and greeting with one another. It's peace. <clears throat> peace. After the service would encourage you to come on over in the gym for coffee and cookies, but much more than that, our quilters have uh, put together a, a beautiful display of quilts uh, that they have been working on that are for sale. Uh, all the money goes to just support the quilting ministry. They send hundreds of quilts a year uh, to distress people around the globe. Uh, so they also have lots of delicious baked goods in there as well. So we do, it would encourage you to, uh, during the coffee hour to go in and see them uh, in there as well. Um, also, this week coming up, this Thursday, we've got a noon potluck. It, the theme is Italian food. So it's a potluck. We eat what you bring and everyone brings. So it's Thursday at noon. There's a sign-up. You can also just show up. Uh, that's Thursday. Uh, on Saturday morning at 8 a.m., men's breakfast. So that's 8 o'clock in the gym for the men, if you'd like to come out for that. And down the hall in the Sunwalk Room today, we're selling Brothers 4 tickets. 
they're, they're going to be in concert on November 19th. So uh, right here I'm, uh, at South Woodby High School. So you can get those tickets out there uh, today as well. We'd encourage you in that way. Uh, Cam, what, do you, what else is for sale in the gym? Supporting our young people, supporting the band on the far side where it says marketplace, uh, they're over there. Visit those kids. Uh, our support of them is really important. Uh, Betty Leitner, we, you've sung to us for so many years, for so many different occasions here. It's Betty's birthday. Can we sing to her? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. One more event happening this Thursday evening. It's our monthly um, family fun night. So this is an opportunity for people of all ages. We invite our um, families to come. But if you want to come and just hang out with families and get to know some of the younger kids in the congregation or just be um, here to support families and uplift your own spirits, this is a fun night to come together. We gather at 6 o'clock in the gym. We'll have dinner together. And then this month, we're decorating pumpkins. So we'll have stations set up so you can carve pumpkins or paint pumpkins or put stickers on pumpkins. And uh, we'll have pumpkins here, or you can bring your own. So just a fun time to get together with families of all ages this Thursday evening. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Deacon Amy. Um, yeah, Christy, go ahead. Talk to Chrissy after service if you would like to do that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure, go ahead. One o'clock uh, Medicare, a Medicare workshop. 1 o'clock right here in the church, Thursday, 1 o'clock. Got it? <laughs> old, old enough to be your mother. <laughs> Christy, you will need me for something someday. 
<laughs> that's, that's what I'll say. And you're, dimi and you're diminishing the odds. Um, <laughs> what is next Sunday? You know? Country Western Sunday. Country Western Sunday next week. Get out your boots. Get out your hats. Uh, we're going to do, do a little Hank Williams. We're going to do some other stuff on Sunday morning. Country Western Sunday. Uh, I know you're excited. <laughs> Finally, a word about communion. All are welcome. You'll come down the center aisle. You'll hold out your hand to receive the host. The body of Christ, hold on to it momentarily. You'll dip it and tink it into the chalice of your choice. The first chalice of wine. Second chalice of grape juice. We also have gluten-free as well. But the, the word really is that all are welcome. Doesn't matter if you've never been with the Lutherans before. Doesn't matter where your prodigal journey has taken you. You are here today. You're here and invited to this table. Not a Lutheran table. It's the Lord's table. There's only one host. It's Jesus. And he invites you to come. If it's comfortable, I invite you to stand as we transition to the table. We gather now at a table that welcomed our parents and grandparents, a table that will welcome Christians of a variety of colors and cultures and denominations across the globe. And as we do so, we remember a Thursday night in an upper room in Jerusalem. It was Holy Week. It was the night in which he was betrayed. And on that night, our Lord Jesus took the bread and spoke very strange words. He gave thanks and broke it and said to his disciples, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. And again, after supper, he took the cup. He blessed it, gave thanks, gave it for all to drink. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray. Our Father, Gifts of God for the people of God, all are welcome. Please come. You may be seated. Come and dine at the table. Drink the wine at the table. Eat the bread the table of the Lord. Then he told them he would have to go away As they sat around the table Ready, willing, strong and able Jesus broke the bread and then was heard to say Come and dine at the table Drink the wine at the table Eat the bread at the table
Jesus Christ, strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. Dear friends, you've been fed and forgiven. Now go out those doors to make a difference where God puts you this week. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending him, what a fellowship, what a joy divine.